The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. And good morning, this is Jeff Shannon, and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly presentation here at WHIN. And, you know, we like to point out people that are doing great things in our community here in Sumner County and Hendersonville and Gallatin. And it's amazing the people that you run into and then you get referred to and you find out about folks that are doing great things because if you're doing something good, people need to know about it. So I want to bring in Daniel Stevens. Now, Daniel, it, it, where do you hear this story? I mean, it's it's incredible. He's with Feed Sumner Food Bank and Ministry. And Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. I know this is a, a great topic on your heart. So enlighten us, please. Thank you so much, Jeff and WHIN for having me today. I guess the big question is, where do we start? Do you want me to go back to kind of the law enforcement, the military, how well, we got I, to Feed I, Sumner? I think or? that'd be good. I think let's give them your background and and just kind of make it like your journey to get where you are right now. I did 13 and a half years in the military, 11 years in law enforcement for the Hendersonville Police Department here in our lovely city of Hendersonville, Tennessee. About the 10-year mark uh, with the police department, I started getting burnout, you could say. Mm -hmm. Uh, My heart started changing. My heart started getting a lot softer. I started seeing needs in the community that I couldn't really fulfill doing that line in that line of work. And all along, the Lord had been preparing me for to step into ministry. I just didn't know it. I went to school when I was 20 for youth ministry, Uh, did a lot of worship stuff in churches, thought Mm -hmm. that was going to be the avenue I was going to take after a lot of poor worldly choices. uh, It wasn't the time or place. Young people don't do that. No, not at all. Not (laughs) at all. And crazy thing is, is at 38 years old, I've never stepped into full-time ministry and the Lord gave me the opportunity finally at, at 38 to actually do that. Yeah. And and so super excited, super excited to be a part of Feed Sumner Food Bank and Ministry and what, what we're doing and hopefully what we hope to do here in the future right. very soon. So you, you live here in Sumner County. I do. Uh, and you know you you have so many great nonprofits here. And on this show, if people listen, they, they know uh, we love nonprofits. I mean, it is amazing how Sumner County and the people of Middle Tennessee come together to help folks when they need it, especially catastrophes, you know, tornadoes, floods. I mean, you can see it. You can see it all. And the churches are incredible how they they all step forward and, and help folks. So with Feed Sumner Food Bank, let's give them a little history on that from Food Bank and how it got to where it is now. Absolutely. So James Gill and James Downey Bronner, they saw a need in the community. They went to believe it was Liberty Baptist Church. Once they started seeing the need within their community, that there were actually people out there in Sumner County that needed food. And even 13 years ago, we're going through food insecurity just as we are right now. So one day, from my understanding, they just kind of started trying to get money in and raise money to be able to provide meals for these people. 
eventually that turned into Sumner County Food Bank, and it continued on for around 13 years Mm -hmm. until James Downey Bronner and James Gill, they were just getting too old to be able to handle it themselves. And that's about the time they said, you know, we're going to have to to give this up. And fortunately, First Baptist Church Hendersonville heard about this opportunity and said, this can't happen. They're feeding X amount of families throughout Sumner County. And First Baptist Church Hendersonville came along and acquired a lot of what they had and then turned into its own separate entity, Feed Sumner Food Bank and Ministry. Well, you know what? And it's a sad thing to say here in the United States of America that we have people, especially now, with the price increases, they can't afford food. I mean, I was blown away the other day going to the grocery store and looking at the prices of of how things have increased. I mean, just here recently. I mean, it is, I don't know, it's unacceptable, but what can you do about it? (laughs) Absolutely. And And that's one of the things that we're here to do. Per second harvest, this just came out recently, one out of eight Tennesseans are dealing with food insecurity right now. Mm. And if someone doesn't know what food insecurity is, that doesn't mean they're poor or they're in poverty. That just means they have unreliable access to food, whatever that may look like. So that's one out of eight Tennesseans, which comes down to 12.5%. I'm not a mathematician. (laughs) It took me a while to figure out these numbers. We've got about 190,000, probably more people living in Sumner County. That was from Wikipedia. So Mm -hmm. back in 2020 or 21. And with 190,000 people and using that one out of eight ratio, it's estimated that around 2,300 people right now, if you were to combine all that data, are actually falling into that food insecurity portion with inflation and everything right now i would say it's higher if not double so how does feed sumner get this food to them do do you can you make deliveries you know i know there's there's some nonprofits we've talked to where they will go and deliver meals to folks that maybe can't get out of the house or maybe they just don't have transportation or they can't afford to go anywhere yeah so that was one of the first things that i mentioned actually before i even got hired and i was going through the process is okay well this is the way they did it at sumner county food bank which was a normal food distribution where you would drive up you would give them the food and that was that i thought well why can we not deliver meals to people's homes Mm -hmm. so now we have our distribution which is the second saturday of every month from 8 to 12 but we've also went ahead and started launching and it's in its pilot phase right now is what's called our feed sumner at home and we actually during our last distribution we just got the opportunity to deliver to six different families. I know that's not a big number, but like I said, it's a, we want to slowly scale it. That way we can make sure that we sustain it and we're doing things right. But those six people, people were able to spend time with them. People were able to pray for them Mm -hmm. and people were able to give them the food and necessities that that they needed and they Mm -hmm. were longing you're down in gallatin that's on what gregory correct right beside the airport right by the right by the airport so people get a reference on that so if they wanted to to come and help out and volunteer they can get get a hold of you absolutely so all they have to do is they go to feedsummer.org doesn't matter what what age group that you range in doesn't matter how young or how old you can sign up online and we will make sure that we find a spot for you at yeah, feed summer absolutely now you say once a month you have the distribution like on the second saturdays you said correct That's second saturday 
Saturday of the month. So they can come and just help pass out food so people can drive up. Absolutely. And Absolutely. load up. Now, let me ask you this. How would somebody sign up to serve? So just contact you, you? Go through a background check or anything? No, so they don't They don't have... Now, there are certain aspects of the uh, food bank and ministry where they would have to have a yeah, background check. Sure. We've been very fortunate that we have more volunteers and not enough volunteer opportunities. There are some things that need a back, background check, but for the most part, if you come and want to serve, you're going to be able to, to come serve in some sort of fashion. Right. And I think it's a great way for parents to teach their kids. Now, what kind of ages can volunteer over at Feed Sumner? So we do have some restrictions. Okay. Uh, we have a restriction that they have to be uh, 12 and up unless otherwise noted, but we're kind of shifting that. It is a warehouse environment, so we weren't sure at first really what we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. Now that we've had about four or five months to kind of figure things out, we're starting to lighten things up as far as how things are going to particularly be, be ran. I think it's extremely, extremely important when you've got parents in there that are serving, that they have their kids in there serving and they're getting the opportunity to serve as a family. Mm -hmm. So we've had kids. I mean, I've brought my six-year-old daughter in there before and said, do not move. Stay by mom. This can of green beans go in this box while it goes down the conveyor belt. You know, or something as simple as, you know, a child coloring a picture and then sticking it in the box, you know, once it gets to the end of the line. No, that's a great idea. So we're really trying to brainstorm and trying to figure out ways we can get all age groups involved. Mm-hmm. Some of the duties would be packing boxes, handing product out in the distribution area. Yeah, exactly. So we have a couple different things on the distribution. So we have the sign up people. Those are the people that are actually going out there, signing up the guests, getting their information. We don't require anything but some type of proof of Sumner County residency. So that could be a license, electric bill, a phone bill, anything, just something to prove to us that they live mm-hmm. in Sumner County. Uh, you have that person that gets their information all we ask for is their their basic name, their address, and then we ask for their phone number. We may ask how many people are in their family and the kids' names, um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, they, they sign a waiver as well, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it's it's good to to teach the kids that this is important Correct. and it's okay to go out and help people. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, when they when you volunteers come in and in, in a warehouse type of situation, they have all of this food. Where is this food coming from? So we're partnered with Second Harvest. Okay, the majority of our food we purchase through Second Harvest. But we have had an awesome turnout as far as donations from the community of the greater Sumner County area, our church, and we're hoping to to spread this out as we do a food of the month. So we've done peanut butter, okay, peanut butter, macaroni, cheese, and now September is going to be rice. So First Baptist Church Hendersonville is a pretty large congregation. Mm-hmm. So last month they brought in macaroni and cheese. This month they're going to be bringing in rice. We're also trying to get in the neighborhoods. A lot of the neighborhoods will have food bank type of donation spots, and then they'll donate it to us. So we also take outside donations. Could as you well. reach out to like these large subdivisions that have you know, six, seven hundred homes in there. So shout out yeah, right. to Durham Farms. Um, Durham Farms did something really cool. I think they did it maybe the last couple of years, but they took the streets and they split them up. And so when they took the streets and split them up, they like competed against each oh, other great. to who could give 
like the most food yeah and that was really really cool durham farms has an awesome like community and neighborhood morale you know getting people together and stuff like that so it'd be really cool to see that spread throughout the community and next thing you know i don't know maybe durham farms can compete against wingcrest you know or something mm-hmm. crazy like that yeah you know? i mean so you just give a, a like boxes there to, for them to drop off their their food items we so usually what they'll do is they'll provide their and we'll come and we'll just come pick it up we've got a big box truck with mm-hmm. uh, some happy face kids on it mm-hmm. and we'll just come pick the stuff up whenever they collect it yeah i guess if a, if a group wanted to volunteer they can come in as a group so let's say a church group uh, they're listening say hey we can get together and you know let's go help out or different organizations the rotary club or so on and so forth yeah so beta club from hendersonville high school they reached out to us and they just came down and they served saturday mm-hmm. they did 300 snack bags which was really really awesome that's the first time we've had like a high school type club in there we've had the gallatin uh cotillion club junior cotillion club in there and then we've had other clubs acquire to want to come in and serve again our our biggest thing right now is making sure that we can find more volunteer opportunities Mm -hmm. because people want to jump on it so quick and everything but we got to make sure there's more than to it than just the distribution and we're working on that process well and you want to get the food out there you don't want it sitting in the warehouse you know we want to get to distribute this you know where it needs to be and you'll cover all of sumner county correct yes so even way up in the country way up in the country (laughs) we uh actually we have done satellite distributions we've done satellite distributions at crossroads church and westmoreland we've done that twice now anytime there is a fifth saturday in the month we'll shoot up to westmoreland because there's a huge need up there in that community and we'll go up there and we'll serve that community well, you know, it's a great thing that, that y'all are doing, and I think it's it's great for the community. Hard to believe that we have a problem like that in this day and time, but it's great you have organizations like Feed Sumner to do that. So, hey, we got a lot more to talk about. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. 100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. And here we go on this Sunday morning back at Sumner County Spotlight. I want to let you know that we will have this on podcast and it's cool to listen back on and you can rewind and go forward and, you know, save it for all time. But it's at whinradio.com and go to the podcast tab and then you'll see Sumner County Spotlight. It's going to be a great show because we're talking with Daniel Stevens right here with uh, feedsumner.org and it's a great organization it really helps our folks out here in the community now we were talking before that we we have a, a lot of people that like to volunteer do you have recurring volunteer needs that people can jump in on we have cleaning janitorial yeah janitorial so we have have cleaning uh, office cleaning and typical warehouse cleaning cleaning the trucks um, we're forming some other teams right now to kind of head some of those things up but those are the reoccurring i I like i I saw this writing encouraging notes how cool is that Mm -hmm. so you just like even the kids can draw pictures and that just makes people smile we notice that people love getting just a little bit of hope in a box Mm -hmm. so even though the food's in there getting a little note just to say hey we love you we're thinking about you we're praying for you may not hit everyone you know in the heart 
but for those people that it does hit in the heart especially when it's coming from like a four five six year old is something really really special sure i mean absolutely and uh, people like to have that and anytime you put a smile on somebody's face you got to do it now you have some trucks right you have have a few of those you have the refrigerating trucks uh, we have a box truck that's kind of like a u-haul style truck then we have three larger semi trucks and those are both refrigerated and freezer trucks nice now how often do you get food in from second harvest we usually go once a week or once every other week okay so ranges from twice a month to three times a month usually okay. on average so if you if you find you have a let's say a shortage of rice let's say you can request that or they just give you what they have so you can request it at second harvest honestly what we probably do is just run over here to sam's club (laughs) get a big bag (laughs) and get a big you know a bunch of big bags of rice yeah but fortunately that hasn't happened yet but with food insecurity and the way logistics are right now and it's really difficult to get certain things logistically i can see us probably running into that problem here in the future what's chef uh, daniel's favorite uh, meal to make Ooh, uh, (laughs) man green beans I don't know. <laughs> I don't do much cooking. Yeah, the right, wife right. does the cooking. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, Chef Chris over at the Epic, I mean, he is such a hoot. That guy just loves cooking, man. He he comes up with some, some great, you know, recipes and meals. And, and when you got to love what you're doing. And I can tell you love what you're doing here at Feed Sumner because you are helping so many people. There's so many opportunities to help, and you're, you guys are stepping up there. And you get these fee- people that want to volunteer. you got to go to feedsumner.org. It's pretty easy to do. Uh, just get all the information there. Of course, you're on the social media as well. Just type that We're in. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and it's just Instagram.com slash FeedSumner, mm-hmm. Facebook.com slash FeedSumner. You reach out to us. If you're having difficulty with the website, just give us a call on our phone number, 615-348-4470, or reach out by email. It will make sure we get you connected with the volunteer opportunities. Absolutely. Now, you have this guy working down there, and I've heard some things about yeah, him. Yeah, that guy's that wild. Alec, Alex. Man. Yeah, he's yeah. he's camping out in yellowstone right you hire the guy and then he goes on vacation for two weeks and so i'm and i'm stuck doing all the work can you believe that well we're we're gonna have to bring him in here and and give him a talking to let me tell you i said all that (laughs) but so what's really cool about alex is alex has been in ministry for 40 years and was living in virginia they were having a grandchild he and his wife were moving down here they moved down to hendersonville wife as he will self-admit it that she's the breadwinner so she said well honey you can take a little time off he said you know i I really want to look for a pastoral job but if i don't find one i can't just sit here and twiddle my thumbs because that's Mm going to really look bad Mm -hmm. if i'm like twiddling my thumbs and i I get an offer and somebody says well what have you been doing for the last two months and well nothing just looking for jobs and he said so i really wanted to find somewhere I could serve and literally the first day i'm sitting in the truck talking to my boss driving down to the food bank haven't even seen the food bank yet he says hey you need to connect with this guy and email this guy and talk to him because he sounds like he could be a huge asset to feed sumner mm-hmm. not thinking anything of it just simply volunteer opportunities he was there almost every single day with me for a month 
um, and just knocked it out of the park. I That's, mean, was it was amazing, and it was a no brainer mm-hmm. that when it came to hiring somebody, and then him being in ministry for forty years and being able to help shepherd the ministry, it was just like, how could you not hire the guy? Yeah. So Alex York, you Alex just had your York. shout out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably won't hear it because he'll still be in Yellowstone. He's but he out can there listen p- to the podcast. He's out there playing with grizzly bears. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's, that's great. Yeah, but he's he's an awesome guy. The, so his his technical title is Director of Volunteer Services. So if you do volunteer, he's going to be your man. He's okay. going to be the guy, and he is awesome. Well, and, and it's good to have people that you like to work with that have that same passion that you do. Because I think you've got to have a passion for it because it, it is a lot of work it is, to keep up I, with it. I am working more now that I am working for the food bank than I ever did in law enforcement. Law enforcement drained me, mentally drained me, but I wasn't physically tired, whereas (laughs) I, I come in from work from the food bank you know, it could be an office day one day or it could be a warehouse one day and I'm ready to lay on the couch. Well, I mean, these some of these pallets are pretty huge. That's what you got the forklift. That's right. What's funny is I had never driven a forklift before. No warehouse experience, no nothing. You have video of that, by the way. Uh, probably somewhere. <laughs> Make it. <laughs> the Viral. worst part about it is you can't teach anybody really how to drive a forklift Mm -hmm. you've just got to get on it and do it and i remember probably two months ago i got on it and i had a huge thing of strawberry jelly i was the only one in the warehouse because i wouldn't drive the forklift around with anybody else in there because (laughs) sprayed i was going to mess up so this pallet cracks with like i don't know probably 100 cases of strawberry jelly just all over the place Whoa. I had to pick it up by, my, oh, no. by myself. Glass not jars? Fun. No, not glass jars. Oh, they were plastic. Yeah. Nothing busted, but just the fact that the pallet cracked open and I had to humble myself and pick I started to just walk out and say, I'll do this in the morning. <laughs> but I was like, no, nah, I can't. Wow. In the middle yeah, of the you got you to watch those forklifts, man. They get, they get pretty scary, especially <laughs> if you have to go up high. You know, You know, I've almost had to Terry Tate somebody out of the way. Well, you know Terry Tate, mm. the football player. Yeah. He does that that uh, commercial or whatever because the forklifts will get to going. I'm just saying our volunteers, some of them are older, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to make sure the forklifts are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. So. No, no forklift racing. No forklift racing. <laughs> Only on the weekends. What could somebody... If they wanted to, to serve with Feed Sumner, what, what can they come in expecting? If it's the winter, not that I've experienced a winter in a warehouse yet, but mm-hmm. I can tell you it's going to be cold. And if you come in the summer, it's going to be, be hot. <laughs> You're going to sweat. Uh, make sure you hydrate. But the biggest thing is to come ready to serve with a joyful heart and to have fun. Because mm-hmm. if you get in there and you start talking, you start working, you start making these relationships, mm-hmm you are going to have a blast and you will be rewarded more when you walk away from that than the person who gets that distribution box. I can yeah. assure you of that. Yeah, no, no, that, that's great. Now they can come in and say, hey, I got two hours and they don't have like a three to 11 shift. It's like, I got a couple hours and come in and help out. Is that kind of thing or do you? That's what we're working towards right now. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing, if they do want to serve like a specific time, cause they can't serve on a Saturday or when we have the opportunities, just give us a shout. Like I said, via email yeah. or through the website or by phone, and we'll see what we can do about putting you to work. That's pretty cool. Stupid question. Do you take donations? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. A stupid question. Uh, no, it, I, yes. We'll, we we will them. take food. 
uh, we will take monetary donations. Now, when you say food, you need, you need non-perishable kind of items. You're not going to so, bring like raw chicken down there. Right. Don't bring raw chicken because we don't have a refrigerator or freezer just yet. But if you bring non-perishables, we can take any kind of non-perishables. All, all that we ask is that it's not expired. You know, it's, it's not just because you want to rid your pantry of stuff that, mm-hmm. that you don't want. Now, if it's good stuff, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. bring it. Um, but, <laughs> but what we've noticed is I think that people uh, just use it as a place to get rid of their stuff that's in their pantry and then it ends up being expired and then we can't use it and have to throw it away. Mm-hmm. So, But we take those and then we take monetary donations as well. So. Yeah, and, and of course the office is open Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday, 9 to 1. 9 to 1. So they can drop things off, drop a huge check by in any Correct. of that. You'll take that right there at the office. Yes, sir. And so it's 1121 Gregory Drive in Gallatin, and that's out off Airport Road out that way. Right past, is it Cairo or Cairo? Yeah, I get that mixed up too. (laughs) Right past there. Okay. Then you have a big sign. Is it pretty easy to see? uh, We do not have a sign for Gregory Drive yet. Okay. But we do have a sign. Once you find Gregory Drive, Mm -hmm. you can't miss it. We're down at the end. Somebody can donate a sign to you, right? We have it. We just haven't put it up okay. yet because yeah. I'm not mechanically inclined, and the person who is is in Yellowstone right okay. now. Okay. All right. Well, he will be back. That's right. <laughs> Wait till this list of things he has got to do when he comes back. <laughs> hey, real quick. So I know you have some opportunities coming up. So you have some events because you have to do these fundraisers, raise money to make this thing happen. So what do you got coming up? So a couple things I'm super excited about. The Chamber of Commerce in Gallatin uh, came alongside us. They're handing over the Homer Bradley motorcycle ride to us. That will be our big, big fundraiser for the year. So going forward, uh, it will be completely handled by Feed Sumner Food Bank and Ministry. And the thing I am most excited about is the alignment of several nonprofits and churches to do a Thanksgiving blessing. Wow, that's going to be huge. Do you want to know about the Thanksgiving yeah. blessing? Yes, yeah, tell yeah. us more. So Christ yeah. is Love Church, just over the way here, they have been doing a Thanksgiving blessing. Their community minister, Jacob Bell, reached out to me and said, hey, would you guys be willing to be a part of it? We sat down, and I said, well, why do we have to make it one location? Why don't we do a Sumner County Thanksgiving blessing? So we brought some nonprofits and other churches into the fold. We split Sumner County diagonally. And so we're going to be doing four simultaneous distributions, same time, four different places, one at Christ's Love Church, one at Feed Sumner Food Bank and Ministry, one at Gallatin First Baptist Winchester, and then one at Crossroads Church in Westmoreland. And I believe, if my information is correct, that will be on November 19th. Okay. And they can find all that out on the website, feedsumner.org. Yes. And, you know, we'll, we'll have that in there. But, wow. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible that, you know, especially around the holidays, I think people, uh, their heart kind of opens up a little bit more, especially around the holidays. So this would be the, a great time for people to first volunteer, correct? donate, you know, go and help out. It's just going to make you feel good. How, how else can people help out? Prayer. People can pray oh, we for need the ministry. That. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing I think that is going to help is for us to collaborate, to partner, and come into alignment with other organizations. And that's the big thing that I've learned is if you can learn to do that, you can make such such a bigger impact for your community mm-hmm. um, by doing that. So if you're in a shout out, if you're in a nonprofit that wants to partner and collaborate, get together, brainstorm, see how we can better help 
Stonemer County, let us know. We would love to have you. And not only that, but having feedback from the people on the outside, volunteers and guests. A lot of people don't want to hear constructive criticism, but that's one of the things that's gonna gonna make your organization better. So absolutely, as long as it comes across with love, right? We'd appreciate it. Sure, no, that's great. Well, I mean, you're doing great things, and of course, we're talking about Daniel Stevens, director of community ministry uh, with Feed Sumner. The the website's out there, social media's out there. If you type that in, it's going to pop up. Uh, they would love your help, and I think you're going to feel good by doing so. So, Daniel, thanks for taking time to get in here. Now, go work on those trucks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap up this segment. We'll be back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. 100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. Your host, Jeff Shannon, right here this Sunday morning. And, you know, Sumner County Spotlight is, I guess, formed to help highlight and bring focus to folks doing great things here in Sumner County. Uh, And Middle Tennessee uh, has a lot of great folks that are doing great things. And one of the the leaders on people doing great things, Senator Farrell Hale decided, hey, let's go talk to Jeff and uh, let's uh, talk about a lot of great things. And you're doing a lot of great things uh, up there. So let's get into it. Well, good morning. Thank well, you. Thank you for having me this morning. I uh, appreciate the compliments. I'm not sure they're all deserved, <laughs> uh, but I appreciate that. Uh, pat on the back always goes a long way. And so I appreciate that. Well, very and, much. and I, I know how you're involved in the community. I mean, if you look at all of the things that you're involved in, the committees you're involved in, I, I don't know how you sleep. <laughs> Well, sometimes it makes you sleep pretty well. Sometimes it gets you up at two in the morning. Right, so, right. You know, it just depends on the day that's coming up. Right. So you're in District 18. So that's, I guess, Sumner, Trousdale, a little bit of Davidson County. I'm losing Davidson County as okay. of November election. Okay. I that, heard about that redistricting. Right. Yeah. The, the redrawing of the lines. And uh, there was no way that I could maintain any population out of Davidson County because of the numbers. I was on the committee on the Senate side. Uh, are redrawing these lines and it's unbelievable the requirements that come into place the uh, conversation uh, public conversation is all you can do anything you want to and you're doing this to hurt someone or help someone and all that and there's some of that that comes in but Mm. you're really limited as an example the reason that i had a portion of davidson county was because of the numbers that was left in davidson county that was a partial representation so the statute says that only one senator can have that so the numbers have to match up and 10 years ago it matched up for this district this time there are 60,000 left over. Last time it was about 14,000, 15,000. Now mm-hmm. there's 60,000 left over in Davidson County. No way that I could handle that. Sure. And actually, there was only one senator that touched Davidson County that could take that number and make everything else work. And, and folks don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people wonder how they determine redistricting and, and what you do. So it's a numbers thing, really. It's a numbers. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely. You've got to make those numbers match up in, in minority districts and, and majority minority districts. And it's extremely complicated. 
and of course with our computers it's all on computer now you just you know you punch in buttons and there it is and here it is and this yeah. is what kind of what you go with now there's some play there but that's not near what folks think there is yeah i guess it really wasn't your ambition to jump into politics in the first place <laughs> it's just kind of something that that you said i got to do something no i didn't say no, you <laughs> do something you're, you're wrong Ooh. about that here's it the story was, i practiced pharmacy independent pharmacy owner for 40 years and Diane Black, a nurse in Galton, mm-hmm. and we became friends through the pharmacy nursing connection, and we had a gift shop that she came in rather often and just became friends. And this is in 2000, and she is in the house at this time, the state house. Mm-hmm. And she walked in the store one day and said, I have turned your name in, recommended you to the Republican Party to run for the state senate in the 18th district. And I said, you've done what? <laughs> You know, I just had no ambition of politics whatsoever. And some of that goes back to my childhood. My dad served one term on the county commission. I'm seven, eight, nine years old. And we're at supper one night. It's time to draw papers to run again. And he's not doing it. He's getting phone calls asking him to run. He's not doing it. I don't know what happened, but he mm. was done. And mm-hmm. he turned to me and said, son, don't ever get into politics. It's dirty. It's nasty. <laughs> oh. You don't want any part of it. So I had that. And then in pharmacy school, we had an adjunct professor come in once or twice a year. Uh, he was a salesman for ER Squibb and Son up on the plateau. And there was a pharmacy owner up there that had gotten on the school board, made some decisions that were not popular, and lost about half his business. Here I am in business. I, I, you know, I'm keeping all my politics very close to mm-hmm. the vest. Nobody, mm-hmm. Nobody's asking my opinion, and I'm not giving it you know, yeah, on, yeah. on anything. And so when she comes in, that, that is just beyond my imagination how do you say no to diane i mean i did i did you know no i just can't but by then the republican party had my name Uh oh there you go and they just kept coming back and they knew my weakness if good folks don't do this who will right and they just kept hammering i lost that race i was naive enough to think that i could win but there was no way i could win that race Mm -hmm. but i learned more about myself than anything else in that Mm-hmm. process and then 10 years later this became available sure and i had enough interest to pursue it well and, and two i guess one of the the great benefits of that is look at all the great people that you probably would have never met oh it's unbelievable mm-hmm. it's unbelievable that that uh, the folks that you come in contact with and the folks you work with and folks will often ask my wife what's the biggest surprise that that you found out that asked me or ask her and she usually responds. She says, I was really surprised at how nice the vast majority are of the people down there. Sure. No, absolutely. You know, she wasn't thrilled about me doing that. She's hoping that uh, they'd treat me bad and I wouldn't like it and wouldn't be able to help. And but it turned around the other way. Right. Well, you know, being a pharmacist for, gosh, 40 plus years here in Sumner County right. the whole time. And I mean, this this is where you are. This is right. your, your home, pretty much. Well, I had... Two, three hundred people walk in the store every day telling me what's going on in the community. So I was well aware, yeah. more than I am now, to be perfectly honest, that mm-hmm. when you've got seeing three or four hundred people every day, you know who's expecting, you know who is has terminal cancer. And some of the greatest honors that I've had while I was a pharmacist and still do, but I've had customers ask me to conduct their funerals. Wow. 
and I've had employees ask me to perform their weddings. And that's a great honor. It really, that's really a, is. That is a wow. great honor to be asked to do that. Sure. Well, and all this time, you know, as a pharmacist, I mean, there's, and being in business, there's a thing with business and it becomes a very personal thing with you because you're their guy, you know, but what's, what do you think is the one thing you've, you, you've learned from that experience that's helping you now? To listen to people. Mm-hmm. When patients came in the store, they came in there typically because they had some issue that needed to be resolved. Of course, a lot of it is refills and continue, but there, especially when new diagnosis had taken place, it was important to listen to those folks, not just give out information. Right. It's important to give them information, but you need to know what information they needed. And so listening, and I've tried to carry that into this position. Right. Well, I think a lot of po- they, people think of politicians, yeah, they just do that they they don't listen to us well i'll uh, let me jump in here just a little bit one of the i've really had a hard time identifying being identified as a politician kind of gotten used to that (laughs) but in pharmacy it's one of the highest respected professions if not the highest respected profession politicians not so much Mm -hmm. you know that gap in between was a hard fall right right well it's it it is one of the things that's i always ask why would you do this yeah (laughs) because it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong somebody's going to think you're wrong you know, that's, you can, that's it, great. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's 50-50, you know. You just have to put in, follow your heart and do what you think is uh, the best what, for the constituents. You that's know? what I learned in that first campaign. Yeah. Is that you've got you got to be true to yourself. you got to be true to what you say. you got to hold, hold your word, and you're going to have criticism. And a lot of it's unfair criticism true. in that all the facts are not being presented. Sure. Well, and, and I think that's in light, too, especially in the past several years right. <laughs> with things yeah. being just fair and blown up and, and brought forward. But, uh, you know, it is something that people, you know, once they're around you, I think they understand your heart because you're real. You're not going to just well, say something you. to somebody so. and, and, and not even listen to them. You know, you're going to take that into consideration. So, you, so you've been in the legislature how long now? Ten years. Ten. That's right. unbelievable unbelievable that right. I've been there that long. Actually, I was appointed for 100 days. There was special election. Okay. I did not run for that. Just a gut feeling that not the right time, but I did offer to serve for 100 days between when Diane resigned and the special election took place. Went down there just to kind of see what this is about. And interim senator has zero political power. Zero. Mm-hmm. You know, you just mm-hmm. don't. And we rely on the committee system. And so when a bill goes through, like the particular bill I'm talking about went through health, uh, 9-0, uh, finance, 11-0. When it gets to the floor, it's a done deal, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, that because you're relying on on those two committees to vet this bill, look at it. Is this a good bill? And there's no objection to the bill. Then you expect that to go through. Well, I saw that bill, and I knew it was a bad bill. It was mm-hmm. a pharmacy bill. It had to do with pseudoephedrine at the time, which was a big mm-hmm. issue. And I just, I knew it was bad. Yeah. And I got up on the Senate floor. This is toward the last of the 100 days. I got up on the Senate floor and spoke against the bill. And the bill was defeated and pulled and did not come back. And that told me, one, it's important who's there and you can have an influence. Right. And that made me then want to run for the office after that. Well, do you see that a lot of these bills that come up are written in such a way that they make it so complicated? To, it's it's, it's, and they make it pages and pages, and is it hard to understand? You get frustrated by that, and you really can't well, get the real message for it. Yes and no. A bill that's real long is really difficult because you've got to try and wade through that. Don't confuse that with what takes place in Washington. A 
15, 20-page bill in Nashville is a long bill. And I've had a couple of those. Mm-hmm. And they are hard to pass because there's so much in there, and it may need to be. The simpler you make a bill, the better off that you are and be straightforward. We have legal in, in on the Senate side. Of course, the House does, too, that actually drafts the language. Okay. And so there's legal experts that are writing up the bill. You give them the idea and the details of what you want. Then in legal ease, they write that up, which is sometimes hard to understand. Sometimes it's hard to understand. <laughs> and there, I was in discussion about a bill just yesterday that there is a lot of confusion about that bill. It was passed uh, with a large majority, but it there is issues with it that's mm-hmm. going to have to be addressed. Uh, and it was the trigger law to be to tell you what that bill was. Mm-hmm. It's a trigger law concerning. Uh, the abortion that would take would come into play if and when, which the Supreme Court did change their ruling on that and allow states to make the decision. But there's some issues there they've got to be addressed sure. that weren't addressed on the front end. Yeah, and I guess you know digging into that, you don't know you know how the rest of the folks are going to perceive that you know once it's presented. So when you get up to present a bill, and I guess that's what you would do it, is present. It, this. it can be amended. It's I think is where you're headed to. That right, you've got on a committee every committee has nine members except finance which has 11 any member on that committee can amend that bill okay make a suggestion for it or they can vote it down which a lot of times takes place you present the bill you have to get a motion on the bill have to have a second on the bill then you have discussion and through that discussion then members can say i think you missed something here or i don't like this i'm going to amend this uh, and usually the chairman will ask the sponsor of the bill, do you consider this a friendly amendment or a non-friendly amendment? And you kind of make it, you know, if you say it's friendly, then everybody's going to vote for it. If you say it's not friendly, you got to discuss and defend why right. it shouldn't go on there. And then it goes on and on. <laughs> right, right. Well, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to take a quick break right here on, on, on the next segment. We're going to talk about some of the things that are, you're passionate about, things you're working on, some of the sure. things you'd like to, to talk about, let everybody know what's happening. So we're talking with Senator Farrell Hale, District 18 uh, Senator right here in the state of Tennessee. So we'll be back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. And we're back with Sumner County Spotlight with your host, Jeff Shannon. We're going to continue our conversation here with Senator Farrell Hale right here. And I got to tell you, as people listen to the show know, Kathleen and I have adopted three children from the the system, from the foster care system, would not turn back. I mean, it it feels exactly like they were were born to us. They're our children. I guess there's a lot of red tape in this when you're dealing with this kind of situation. And I know you're very passionate about this and the foster care and the adoption system. We were talking off air a little bit. This is a very deep topic, but you're working to do good things with it. We're, we're going to do the best we can. I'm also adopted parent. My wife and I adopted our fourth child. Our fourth child is adopted. Let me get that correct <laughs> there. And she's like 35 now. Yes, I do have a passion for adoption, for foster care. It's a big issue with the ruling by the Supreme Court on the abortion, we're going to have a lot more children, I believe, in the foster care system, Mm -hmm. in in state custody. The department is struggling right now. In fact, there's a lot of folks say that they're more than struggling, that they're not keeping up with 
where we are now. And certainly, I brought a budget amendment last year to try and help the caseworker situation. Right. And and that's one of their biggest problems. You, the caseworker load should be 15, at the most 20. Most of these caseworkers have 25 to 35 cases. So there's no way for them to handle that. Right. And the situation was that they had 26% open positions. Well, when you're only working with 75%, in some counties, only 50% of the caseworkers you need You've got to do something. So I brought a budget amendment to increase their salary, and and Mm -hmm. I think we're going to help make a difference. But that's only beginning to get us caught up. There's a lot more to be done with the adoption and with foster care and with DCS, Department of Children's Services. So we're working really hard. We've had lots of meetings on that already. We first want to look at the adoption. It is You had a great experience. We talked off air, and, mm-hmm. and your experience is, I think, really unusual because that's not the experience that I hear most of the time with foster, mm-hmm. with foster care or with adoption from state, uh, that there's so much red tape. I think we have our priorities wrong on this. There is a situation where that I know of a family that has children, I believe it's two girls had children for over three and a half years trying to adopt. And finally, just this past month or so, that adoption was approved. And then they had to wait 30 days for it to be finalized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'd gone through all this red tape. They'd had the biological mom sign several times when one time should be sufficient. And all this red tape. And so I've had meetings with first with the adoption attorneys from the Bar Association. They brought a two-page list of things they thought need to be changed to get rid of some of this red tape to make things uh, progress quicker on that. And then the adoption project is a nonprofit met with them we're asking both of them come back at the same time next week and we're going to sit down for two hours in the morning and hammer out all these different bullet points Mm -hmm. that they've brought up and that we have also that at my office has we're going to break for two hours where that we can have kind of internal discussions and then we're going to come back for another two hours and legal is going to be there where Mm -hmm. that we can draft a bill and you talked about how long a bill might be this could be a very long bill Mm-hmm. Lot, you know, there's a lot, a lot to be done. I like to break it down. The way that I put this is that we're trying to put a puzzle together here, and we're trying to. We know what we want the picture to look at. We we're trying to get the puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. How do they fit in, and who can help? We've had departments in and talk with them, and how can you work with this? And then there's a breakdown between the Department of Children's Services and and foster care families, and you listen to both of those entities, and those don't match up. Right. And so we got to figure what that is. What's that issue there? And and we need to be supporting uh, foster care families. And right. we're going to look at that also. But you've got a balance in there. How do you provide stipends for foster care families and have that sufficient enough, but yet not create a cottage industry where that you've got individuals with not very good motives? It's just doing it for the money. Just doing it for the money. Yeah. Th- that's the wrong. We can't have that. Right. So we don't want to promote that. But we got to figure out how we support the foster families that with the right motives of doing that. Absolutely. And that, I think that that's a great service because, I mean, the people are taking these kids in, in foster care situation. They didn't really account for all the extra money it's going to take to take care of them. So the, the state helps them with that. Right. Which, which is great. It's just the people that abuse that. You know, now you have the home situation where they have many kids in a, in a home, a licensed home, hopefully. 
and you know the, these people are, are getting a lot of money and they get end up getting greedy and then buying stuff for them and not really the right. uh, for the kids and right. stuff that and is that's used for the very kids. Very rare. Yeah. But it does occur, mm-hmm. and you don't want to promote that. So you've got to. Now I'll tell you another area that we're just beginning to delve in. There's so many rabbit trails in all this. It's yeah. unbelievable all the areas that we've talked about. So we're trying to work through through that. Give you an example of some discrepancies. A couple that has biological children, and they have a relationship with a pediatrician. Their private insurance takes care of that. They foster or they adopt. That child is supported through 10 care for their medical benefits, but that pediatrician doesn't take 10 care. Mm-hmm. So they've got to take this child over to another, which screams to that adopted or foster care child, I'm not worthy. I'm not good right. enough. Mm-hmm. And I looked at our 10 care director last week and said, that's going to stop. That is absolutely going to yes. stop. And he said, well, I don't know whether the federal government CMS will let. I said, I don't care. It's it's going to stop if the state has to pay 100% for it. Have heard back that these providers can take on individuals. So we've got to work through the details sure. of that. And that's part. That's another bill that has to be addressed. <laughs> that's that's uh, incredible. But and like you said uh, earlier, is to to get this system in check to where it's not so difficult. Where you're you're having foster parents, maybe they want to do it, but it's just too difficult, you know. Because if you get in a situation where, let's say, you're going to adopt a child from the foster care system, and then make it so hard where the the, the parents that are emotionally attached at this point, then they're constantly fearing that it might not happen, or a relative might come in and take them, or you know, what other kind of red tape thing that could right. go on. And, and let's talk about kinship. I'm really bothered by that in that the foster parents and the adopted parents have to go through all this home study. Kinship parents don't. Mm -hmm. And so what are you putting these children in? Just because they're blood kin, does that qualify that family to take this child? I don't think so. Mm -mm. And that's a real thorny issue for a lot of folks. But we're going to have to tackle that also. And all this creates reoccurring funds. Sure. Now, I know everyone thinks that Tennessee is loaded with money. What we have is a lot of one-time money. We don't have the reoccurring. And if a recession hits, it's really going to be a different situation. So you've got to be really careful how you spend your money. But this is going to cost money. Mm-hmm. I've got to figure out where I can find in the budget money to cover this. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's very important that uh, something like that happens because I know even in the state of Florida, it's uh, it's always been a caseworker overload, and they just you get burnt out. Yeah. When, and you're talking 25, 30 cases that they have to keep in, in touch with, and sometimes they're working a lot of hours. Yeah, and you can. never know when you're going to get a call in the middle of the night or what have you. So, well, the my son worked for Camelot for a while. He no longer has that position. He's he's doing something else. In fact, he's well. I'll go. That's a rabbit trail. I won't go down. <laughs> um, but he has picked up children at 11 and 12 o'clock at night a family of three or four children, where are you going with them? Well, you're going to your office, you're going to roll out some mats and cots, and you're going to sleep on the floor with them. And there were headlines in the paper about this. That was not a story. Right. That was for the media attention and to create conversation. That was not a story. And I, I... be perfectly honest, I resent that that type of media coverage that is 
depicting the Department of Children's Services in its worst light as they possibly can. And yes, there are some bad situations occur. Some of these children, a lot of these children, are in absolutely horrible situations. And some of them are going to go south. Yeah. They're going to go bad before you can do anything. Well, and the thing with them, too, a lot of them, it's physical abuse and the worst, mental abuse mm-hmm. that they're having to go through. Right. Getting people that are trained, they can understand that and, and deal with them appropriately, I think, is key. So, I mean, having the right training for these caseworkers, I think, is, is so important. But understanding that it's a hard job. Yeah. But the fact you've got salary increases for them, I think it's going to help. And we got to increase that force because, like you said before, the, with the passing of the latest bill, I mean, it's there's going to be more kids in the, I in the system. I think there will be. Yeah. And we have 10,000 in state custody wow. right now. 10,000 wow. children Amazing. in state custody. And wow. uh, we've got to. And some of those will never have a forever home, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But we've got to turn that tide. Yeah. Well, and you know, and as you're well aware, uh, here, especially in Sumner County, we have so many great nonprofits that are doing so many great things for our foster kids mm-hmm. and, you know, the adoptive families and things like that. They're providing services, needs, gear, clothes, and backpacks. You know, a lot of the, the these kids don't have that. They leave home in a plastic bag with, that's you right. know, a few items in there, yes. and that's all they have. That's right. But the nonprofits are really, uh, I, I got to give them kudos. And anytime I hear of one, I try to get them on the show and promote what they're doing because they are doing incredible things. Mm-hmm. You know, with the nonprofits as they are, and, and sometimes they get you know strapped and they're trying all these they're trying to get money <laughs> there's only so much money that could be divvied up right. but uh, they are working quite well to, to do that I just hope you know from the state level and I'm, I'm sure that you're going to take care of that because you have that passion for it and I think it comes across we're going to do the best we can absolutely this is, we had up do. on the uh, my staff had a wall it was probably a 20 foot wall covered with sticky notes post notes up there of all the individuals we talked with and ideas and thoughts and concerns and problems and i walked in that room and it was just overwhelming just overwhelming Mm -hmm. how are we going to deal with all this wow and and the honest answer is you're not going to be able to deal with all of it so you've got to figure out what you can deal with and take care of this year and then if you need to you can come back next year the the laws as it pertains to the foster care system how does that is that relating or crossing over into the adoption system i think that yes there is well let me give you an example that we have come to find out and, and i'm not real clear on this mm-hmm. but you have to go through in like with agape or camelot or youth villages they have their own set of regulations of home visits that type of stuff and then you have this for foster care and there's not an overlap if you do one then you've got to do the other right. okay why are we doing that and i understand why the nonprofits want to be able to set their own standards but if they're say if you're going through that and it's a higher standard than the state why do you have to go back through the state that that's mm-hmm. not that's red tape that's bureaucracy right and so those type of things need to be cleaned up, make it easier. Why, why are we doing that? We're, we're penalizing, we're making it hard when we should be uh, advocating and promoting rather than putting roadblocks. Yeah, and they can say, well, we're protecting the kids. Well, and I can understand that. You have things to protect the kids, but it's when you go to the extreme but to make it so difficult. are we protecting the kids when we, without any inspection, we're put them in kinship homes that we know nothing about, right. and many times the parents. And I want to be real careful here. 
I want to be real careful. So so just hang in there, folks, with what I'm about to say, is that these many times are grandparents of children that have become addicted or whatever. So what's taking place in that home? Now, Scripture talks about, this, this is where the clarification is that parents are not responsible for their children's sins, neither are children responsible for the parents' sin. So there is a gap there that needs to be taken into account. We don't automatically say, well, the, the child that's raised in these children that's had them taken away was in a bad home. That's a bad place to go to. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, why are we not requiring some of the same requirements that we require foster homes and adoptive homes to be on these kinship placements? Mm-hmm. The kinship placement is easy for the department. Here you go. I walk away and wash my hands. And I don't mean to be critical of the department. I, I've had great we changing commissioners right now, mm-hmm. as of today. And the commissioner that's been there has been wonderful to work with. She has just put her heart and soul into making changes and making the department better. Mm-hmm. And we just have to continue that process. Well, I can tell you this, that the foster care system, the adoption system, all the kids in foster care are glad that you're in place, well. that you're you're being the, the voice for them. And that's kind of what they need. And we're, we're so happy that, that you have this passion and all of the other great things that you're doing uh, here for District 18. It's just incredible. We appreciate your, your loyalty, your service, and all of the great things that you're going to continue to do. Thank you. Thank you. I I think Tennessee's in a great spot. Yes, and it's going to continue that because you're aboard. (laughs) We've been talking with Farrell Hale, our senator here in District 18. Uh, Sumner, Trousdale, part no longer part of Davidson County. As of November, we no longer have any of Davidson County. (laughs) Yes, so, uh, Senator, we appreciate that. uh, That's going to wrap it up for this edition of Sumner County Spotlight. Check us next week, every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and on our podcast page at whinradio.com under the podcast tab. This is Jeff Shannon saying so long. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.